Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're, they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review. Uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen. And Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. Tonight we have special guest Tim Ensley. You'll remember him from last week's episode. From living the brand, bad medicine archery. He's the bad bad man from South Louisiana <laughs> Arkansas. or Arkansas. <laughs> Whatever, it's all the same. It's all the same down there. 
<laughs> and tonight, joining us is very special guest from way at the other end of the country. Young up-and-comer in the industry. You may recognize the last name, but don't let that fool you. He's a man with his own goals and dreams in mind and how he's going to shape the hunting industry his own way. Welcome, Randy Burnworth, to the show. Thank you, Will. I appreciate you having me. Hey, my pleasure, man. So we were actually talking a little bit about this. And uh, Tim, I'm guessing you were born before 1984, correct? <laughs> Yeah, quite, quite a bit before 1984. A little bit, like one or two years. So you just miss being a millennial, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly, by, by a long ways. By a long ways. So, <laughs> so Randy and I fall into that millennial category. <laughs> and one thing I was thinking, and it was uh, especially having Randy on tonight, you know, I was thinking, you know, topics of discussion, and uh, it made me kind of think, as this next generation comes up, the thought that looking what all my friends are doing, people like Randy are doing, and it's kind of this thought that millennials might be the generation that revitalizes hunting. What do you guys think uh, about that? I agree. Yeah, I good. Too. Good. We got some good point counterpoint going here with you guys. <laughs> I, I, to I totally agree with that. I think, uh, you know, we talked about this. Uh, last week that uh, even just the short period of time that I've been in the industry, walking into it and seeing uh, what I thought was an opportunity for change, which was a lot of online video on demand, which is what I see with the kids and stuff today. And with the fitness stuff that you guys are doing, I think, I think it's totally changing the face of, of, of our industry, but it's a slow process. It seems like so. It's a big boat to turn around. <laughs> yeah, and Rand Randy, you've been around it a lot longer than any of us because, I mean, uh, with your dad and being involved in all the TV stuff for all these years and, and hunting, and I'm sure you've seen a huge, a lot more of a swing than, than we have. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think that, yeah, the fitness side of things has definitely progressed tremendously, especially in the last, like, five years. Um, I think – Cameron Haynes himself is probably the biggest influence on that side of things in that realm. But uh, also just uh, one of the cool things that I've seen, so I've been shooting a bow since I was four years old. And as far as just strictly archery hunting, like I've just seen archery blow up because I mean, when I was younger, archery wasn't really that cool, you know, you know to, to a lot of the, and it wasn't popular. Um, a lot of people had a bad taste in their mouth about archery and it's just completely done a 180 and that is the cool thing to do nowadays. Yeah. You're not cool anymore unless you, unless you really, even, even the, the gun hunters, my, my father-in-law's 70 years old and he's actually going to get a crossbow this year and he's fighting it tooth and nail, but he's going to because he likes to hunt in Kansas and he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't think the gun season's a great time to hunt Kansas and it's not. Yeah. And, uh, so he's even getting into the archery swing, and I mean, he has fought it tooth and nail. But, but uh, you know, it's it's definitely making that swing, I think. And and guys like your dad were the were the ones that that helped bring that swing around. Yep, absolutely. So, growing up with a dad who would be considered one of the biggest names in the sport, 
what were some things you learned and picked up that you would like to emulate? And what are some things that you're like, you know what, this, this I'm going to take and put my own twist on and go my own way with? Oh, boy. So um, growing up and in that atmosphere and watching my dad, like, it's not easy what he has done and accomplished, obviously. Um, and he, so he has a video background uh, where he, he owned the largest video facility in San Diego for a long time. And he's always been a ballistic bow hunter. So he kind of put the two together and we were uh, doing some commercials and stuff. And he did a, a promo for the outdoor channel and, uh, things started, I think this is his 14th year, but, um, a lot of progression and just learning. Um, we actually were the first on the network to have the HD side of things before HD, you could get it in a little DSLR or whatever. So that, uh, that's changed tremendously. One thing that my dad and I kind of go back and forth about is, uh, obviously fitness is very important to me. And my dad, I'm just going to say this, but my dad's a beast. He's never set foot in a gym in his entire life. And, but he is the most mentally strong guy I've ever seen. Cause like he legitimately, I don't know how he does it, but he just trucks up the mountains and just, I don't know, puts his mind to it and he gets it done. And, uh, there's very <coughs> few guys I've seen that have been able to like, keep up with him he just has so much stamina i think that's just that headstrong mindset that he has um but him and i go back and forth because he's like you don't have to be you know mr fitness and i like the health side of things and trying to better yourself in the gym so him and i have kind of talked about that quite a bit that's uh that's that's funny you said that because like uh Jason Matzinger is a good friend of mine from into high country and we hunt together some in Montana and Jason never goes to the gym and he leaves us all in the dust in the mountains. And I started thinking about it from my rodeo days that 27 years as a professional rodeo cowboy, I didn't work out. I didn't have time, but I was always in rodeo shape right. and everybody would say, how do you get in shape for the rodeo? And I'm like, we're in a rodeo every day of the week. So I'm always in rodeo shape. So I kind of, said that about Jason. I said that, you know, and it's the same thing with your dad. They're doing it every day. So they're automatically in shape. You know, I mean, it's not a big deal for them to be traipsing up and down the mountains because they're always in that mode. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yep. And th there's nothing wrong with working out just to look good either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you this, that me, I'm, I'm, I'll just throw my age out there. I'm 49 years old and I live, for 37 years of my life, I, I was a, I was, I rodeoed, I rodeo every day of the week and just about. And so now at 49 years old, my body is telling me you rodeoed for 37 years. So you're now there's a lot of stuff I do every day just to keep to where I can keep going, you know, and go the places I want to go. That's where fitness comes into it for me. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you is this is something I think you and I could kind of touch base on is, uh, my dad is a Hall of Fame cowboy. My dad was a legend in rodeo, and and I came up in those footsteps as and came into my own professional career in rodeo. And I found that 
it opened a lot of doors for me because of who my dad was. And I think people had a lot of expectations of me because of who my dad was. But at the same time, I felt like there were times it put a lot of extra pressure on me because of who my dad was to be exceptional at what I did. Do you, do you find that with, with you and your dad? Yes, I do. I, that's actually (laughs) funny you bring that up is, uh, so my whole life, obviously, what we want to do is make our dads proud of us. Right. Right. And so there is a lot of pressure, um, on that type of, yeah, there's a lot of pressure with that, but, um, the same thing, this is, I mean, hunting is my passion in my life. So, um, I drive myself as far as that side of things goes, but he's definitely, uh, he's opened a lot of doors for me, especially this year at ATA and shot show. I, I had a lot of really good conversations that I'm excited about this year and kind of gauging uh, where my life might take me. So I'm excited for this year. Yeah, that's uh, and that's the, one of the things that I can say, you know, and I think probably you just reiterated that my dad never put any of the pressure on me to be good. He was just excited that I was wanting to be part of that legacy. And if I didn't want to be part of that legacy, I think he would have just been just as proud of me if I'd have wanted to, you know, do whatever. Um, but, but at the same time I did, I did find that pressure, but it was never from him. You know, I could, I could do absolutely shitty anywhere I was. And my dad was still like, man, you know, and, and it was just, uh, it was just one of those situations that, um, and, and not often do you get to run into somebody else that's that is considered a legend in the in in the the game in a, in a specific area and knowing that that kind of pressure to do good yourself but um uh, as far as like uh, archery and stuff do you shoot a lot of tournaments do you go to tournaments are you a big tournament guy you know I'm probably gonna turn it up in that uh, area here shortly but uh, I haven't been shooting 3d for the last like three years. So I did um, shoot a lot of local tournaments uh, growing up and stuff, but it's been a few years since I've actually competed. So uh, that's, that's me too. When I quit rodeo and I thought archery tournaments were going to be my outlet for my competitive side. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause I thought I needed that because I'd been competitive for a living for so long that I thought yeah. I'm going to have to do something with this. Well, I went <laughs> to the local tournaments and you know, I won a few of them right off the bat you know, and, and, and they hand me this hat pin and I was like, this is what I won. <laughs> Welcome to archery, Tim. I've been doing this for dollars, you know, for all this time. So I'm looking at the dollar side of it, which is competing against, you know, guys that I'm never going to beat. And, uh, I thought, yeah, you know, I'm probably going to just go do this for fun, maybe occasionally. And yeah. so I, I'm just curious. I know, um, I don't go to a lot of archery tournaments either, but I do go to some occasionally, and I think it does help me with my archery. Well, yeah. let's 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 talk tournaments and competitions here a little bit, and <laughs> let's talk about what I would consider what I would consider the king of kings when it comes to archery competitions these days. Something that will truly test you not only your three D skills but your fitness skills, and that would be the Train to Hunt Challenge. Now, Randy. From the live video I saw you guys putting up on the Botac Facebook page, looks like you're going for it this year, my man. I am, yeah. I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know uh, how I'll hold up, and um, I need some insight, actually, from you guys. 
on that, but unfortunately, Phil's not here tonight. He'd tell you how to win. All I can tell you is how to get silvers, but <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you this: the the two most important things I think are one, the shooting; two, because you can you can shoot your way up over some of the uh, out of the maybe a little less athleticism. But yeah. if you you stink in that shooting right off the go, there's guys like Phil who are gonna, who could win that in the first event, depending on the competition that shows up up that day. You know, some yeah. of these guys who are on that top end, like um, Trevor Nystrath, who just won a, two national back-to-back championships. These guys are shooting lights out. So yeah. you want to be competitive, even if you're not gonna score a perfect score. You at least don't want to get buried. Yeah. And the other thing is, run your ass off. Because especially the way it's structured now, it's much more heavy on the legs and lungs than it ever was before. All the weights on the meat pack and everything else got dropped. So strength is not as big of a factor. When it was a 200-pound meat pack and guys were doing it all in one shot, that's when you really needed some good sturdy legs under you. But right now, basically, it's, it's a lot more geared towards running your damn ass off, performing some physical challenges, and being able to just shoot lights out. Those are the two things I would tell anybody looking to do a train-to-hunt competition, especially now that it's compressed into one-day event where the last, the two physical events are now combined to one event. So it's going to be, you know, the run-out, physical challenge, shoot. I forget if it's shooting first and then run and then physical challenge. But either way, you're essentially doing uh, intervals followed by probably what's going to be a one- to two-mile run with 25 pounds. Okay. Which, that's the other thing I see now is some guys will get too caught up with training with heavy weights a lot, and it will affect that uh, their recovery time and end up the speed they could be training to acquire. You know, they're not getting as much out of a training session as they could by putting on that heavy weight, if you know what I mean. Instead of building that capacity they're now giving themselves a disadvantage. So that would be the other thing. Gotcha. I know uh, Ken and Ken and I, Ken was one of the first people I met whenever I got in the industry a few years ago. I met him like the first year I was, I was around any of the outdoor industry and, and he was just really getting started with this concept. And, uh, and Ken sends me a lot of workouts. Like, I mean, I, I do a lot of the train to hunt workouts, but He's always like, when you're going to enter? And I'm like, dude, I've got so many years of just complete torture on my knees and my ankles that when I get finished working out, there's the next morning at my age, it just kills me to get out of bed some morning. So, uh, you know, I do it because I feel like I need to do it to, to get better as a hunter. Um, and if I want to go other places, you know, it, 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 it helps me a lot, like to keep up half ass with Jason or Willie or any of those guys that are traipsing up and down the mountains, and uh, that's kind of why I do it. Well, why why don't you come out come out for one? It's only one day now, so that second day where you're hurting won't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll just come out and bring me a bottle of ibuprofen and the props, and I'll be good to go. I, I think you should come up to Pennsylvania. That's going to be the event I try to make, and it was last year it was awesome. I don't I didn't go to all the events, so I can't say – it was the best one ever, but it's the best one I ever went to. 
the club there that's putting it on is behind it 110%. There's guys standing around drinking beers like they were watching NASCAR, cheering everybody on. And this year it's going to be bigger and better. I don't want to give away any secrets, but Bill Adel, who's running it, who's the point man there running the show, he's he's told me a few things he's got up his sleeves, and I think it's going to be one hell of an event. Heck yeah. So where, where's your first event going to be, Randy? Uh, I think I'm going to do the one in Idaho. Right on. Yep. And I, I actually, I'll just be totally transparent with you guys. Last, like, month, I've been – so – I know I'm not old yet, but I'm getting older, so <laughs> I'm noticing changes in my body, right? So like, You're starting I, to grow hair where it wasn't before. Your voice is getting deeper. <laughs> yes, kind of like that, but a little different. <laughs> no, but like uh, I kind of been neglecting the the uh, stretching, you know, prior to the workouts and stuff like that. I've been going a little bit uh, too hard lately, and so for like the last month. Uh, I kind of backed off because I'm. I actually have an ultrasound here pretty soon, but I think I might have a hernia. Ooh. Um, I'm a little bit worried about that. So, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm just more focusing on like stability and mobility right now and stretching and lightweight stuff until I get told by the doctor I'm good to go, and then I'm gonna step back on the horse. So, uh, what caused the hernia? Do you know, or were you shooting uh, your bow? <laughs> no, not shooting my bow. I I think uh, it was squats. Yeah, I just uh, all of a sudden I just felt this like hot pressure, like right in the um, corner of my hip, and yep. I don't know, it just didn't feel right, and so I backed off. And even with me just like squatting at one thirty-five, it's I still felt that pressure when i filled my you know stomach up with air so Oof. i've been yeah just using leg press a lot more right on that would not be that would not be a pleasant experience i can imagine <laughs> at all uh i pulled my groin one time rodeoing so so bad that it turned completely black and that was that was bad enough for me. I can't even imagine having it earlier. I pulled I, I pulled my girl and it just my whole leg turned black. Like they were trying to make me walk on crutches and everything. And I was like, I'm I'm too tough to walk on crutches. But after when I was home, I was walking on crutches when no one could see me. So, <laughs> I, I definitely think the physical thing. I, I, just like you said earlier, I think. Um, Cameron leading the charge, probably. Um, I can tell you this. Not, we talked a little bit about it last week. Cameron was one of the people that was in, instrumental in me actually getting in the industry. And one of the first videos I ever saw of him, he was running down a hill and doing pull-ups, and, and it was an Eminem song playing behind him. And I thought, who is this guy? Who the hell is this dude? You know, what, what's up with this guy? Like he's he's and then it showed his sheep hunt. You know he was holding that sheep from falling off the side of that cliff, and I thought this guy's an absolute bohemian. You know, I mean, I I got to get to know who this guy is, and then you know as it's progressed, it's progressed into what it is. Because obviously he wasn't that same dude then. But um, uh, so do you think? Um, do you think just from a perspective of somebody that's getting ready to do the, the train to hunt challenge and and obviously uh believes in being physical fit 
do you think that it does play a larger role in in your outdoor life as like in your personal life uh everything rolled up in one yeah kind of the way um so i'm big on like self-development and the start of that for me and me personally is the gym like it's just taught me so many things that transfer over to other areas of my life like just hitting that wall and breaking through and like no having that confidence that you can push through anything you know being that it just it gains that mental strength to just push through and yeah in so many different areas of your life so yeah that for sure has been a big thing for me is just training my mind to um really just have control in life kind of if that makes sense yeah, it does to me because I know like my gym regimen is I, I try to get up early, like around 4.30 or 5 a.m. and try to be the gym early in the morning because it seems like if I do that, it and by the time I get back home and it's 8 o'clock, 8.30, whatever time I get home, it's uh, it seems like my whole day is, is far more productive. It's like I get more done as far as editing. I get more done as far as production. I'm more motivated to go forward with everything I'm doing for the day. And, yeah. and it seems like some of the best days that I've had working out have been the days that it was the hardest for me to get my ass up and go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So like getting up and actually making myself go was a big enough challenge because I'd get up and my freaking knees were hurting from the day before. And, and, you know, I, was, I can think of 25 excuses to stay home, but if I actually make myself go and, and go through my workout, um, seems like those have been some of the best workouts I've ever had. And it's because I pushed through something, you know, that, that, that doubt and that, that wanting to just kind of slack, you know? Yep. One of the and, things actually growing up that my dad always uh, kind of coached me on, one of the biggest things that just really, um, I think about a lot is he used to always tell me you just got to show up because you never know what's going to happen. You just got to show up. So there's been so many things in my life that I've just gone with no reason or rhyme to why I'm doing, but I just go. Right. So that's one of the things that on those mornings, it's hard. It's like, you just got to show up because that might be the morning that turns your life around or yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you guys one thing that you have to look forward to, and people told me this. Uh, everybody told because when I was younger and I was obviously rodeoing and I was in pretty good shape, man, I could eat anything. I could do <laughs> anything I wanted to do, and yeah. I could gain 20 pounds and lose 20 pounds in a week. You know, I mean, it was like nothing. It just – and it was effortless. It just came on and off without me even trying. And everybody said, wait till you get to be 40. You know, and I'm like, ah, you guys are out of your mind. I'm going to tell you something. Once you get to be 40, you better start watching. You better <laughs> start watching eat because everything you eat at 40 years old turns into fat. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> it all turns into fat. You're like, you're going, holy shit. How come this is so hard to take off now before it just like fell away? Now it's just, uh, now it's just falling down. <laughs> <laughs> Did, wait, didn't you just premise this with something to look forward to, Tim? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm just telling you right now, just, just know you're going to hear this from a lot of dudes over 40, but, but, uh, but just know it's true. It's damn sure true. Cause I used to look at those guys and go, Oh, y'all are out of your mind, man. Once my metabolism started slowing down, I was like, what the crap happened to me? <laughs> you look at yourself in the mirror and go, what happened? What the hell happened? <laughs> so what does your diet look like nowadays? Man, it's, 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 hit or miss i tell you the diet thing has been the hardest thing for me and it's not that um um uh, it's not that i don't really work on my diet it's because my wife is super conscientious about her diet and i'll tell you this right now up front my wife can outwork me a hundred times over i mean she is an absolute workout beast but she will not go to the gym she works out right here at home i mean she'll she'll go out there she'll come in she'll come in from doing the battle ropes and kettlebells and, and running and everything outside. She'll come in, she'll go, I got 150 burpees today. What'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I didn't get any burpees. I can tell you that. <laughs> but my diet, basically she, she keeps me pretty good on my diet. I mean, there's, there's times that, um, uh, um, uh, I, I still, I mean, I don't, I'm not one of them guys that, that you know, I'm not a meal prepper. Um, I just try to be careful of what I eat, you know, like I, I grill a lot of stuff. I eat, a, obviously we eat a lot of wild games. So, I mean, my freezer is full of deer meat and, and um, so I eat a lot of deer steak. Anything we cook is generally with deer burger. Um, but for the most part, a lot of vegetables and, and meat. And I try really hard not to eat fast food. That's the killer for me is fast food. That's where it comes from. It's just too easy. And we all know, especially you get busy, you're cruising, you know, through these towns and you're trying to get here, get there, or go to meetings or whatever. It's just really easy to whip through McDonald's and grab some yeah. processed burger that you wish like the next morning when you're on the treadmill, you're like, damn, I shouldn't have ate that burger because <laughs> I feel it today. And I never realized you'd feel it, you know, until, uh, in my, and I'm not a runner. I don't really go out and run. I hate to run. Like I, I literally hate to run. I, people ask me a lot of times, they're like, how, how far can you run? And I'm like, so it depends on what's chasing me. But, uh, for <laughs> the most part, my, my cardio consists of the rowing machine and I hike. And sometimes I'll get on Facebook live and I'll get a 25 or 30 pound pack on my back. And people look at me like I'm nuts in the gym because I'll put on a hoodie, pull it up over my head, put a bunch of weight in my pack. I get on there, incline it to 10 and I just take off hiking like at 4.1 or something, just a steady hike. And that's kind of where I am. But as far as back to the diet, I can definitely tell, if I go out and splurge like Super Bowl night, I ate pizza. Yeah. And Monday morning, I went and got on the treadmill and damn near died. Like I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I wanted someone to stand behind me and just hold me up on the treadmill because I wanted to fall off of it so bad. And yeah. I never realized how bad that food drug you down. But it does. It literally does. Like it, it, it just kills you off. I feel what like about it. You? What what's your what 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 do you guys do as far as diet wise? Go ahead, Will. I, well, uh, I'm I'm much like you, Tim. Where thankfully my wife is a very careful cook, and I'd say ninety percent of the time I just eat the meals she makes. So I follow, you know. Uh, past four weeks I've been sticking to my macros, so 
so I you know paid attention to just proteins, carbs, and uh, fats, and I try to get them from as many uh, like simple and good sources as possible. So it's just a lot of chicken, and I actually love rice. So I like to have rice as my carb usually. I don't care for sweet potatoes, so I'll put in rice or maybe Ezekiel bread, you know, and just a lot of meat. Like you say, venison is a big staple, and I'm sure for any hunter out there, it's like such an easy, versatile meat to throw in and make a really great, healthy meal out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm like you, Tim. Every once in a while, I stumble, and that stumble <laughs> might lead me into a face of 20 chicken nuggets. One sitting. <laughs> Where the ultimate process food. You ever eat so many chicken nuggets you can smell it coming through your skin? <laughs> That's when I fall, I fall hard. <laughs> Luckily, between the three of us, Randy looks like he actually watches what he eats even better. So maybe he'll give some great inspiration to the listeners. Yeah, well, uh I don't like I don't count calories or macros or anything like that. I usually have the problem of getting enough food in me. Um, But uh, so I eat a ton, a lot of, believe it or not, I eat a lot of chicken and eggs. It's just, Mm -hmm. I probably, it's kind of ridiculous and they're not all full eggs. Like I bet you it'll be, I don't know, half of them will be yolks, but I eat probably at least 20 eggs a day. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. So like breakfast breakfast for me is generally especially that early in the morning. I'll uh-huh. jump up and grab a protein shake. Yep. I chug it down and then I haul ass to the gym. On the way to the gym, it takes me about twenty minutes to get to the gym. I drink whatever I'm gonna drink for a pre workout. Mm-hmm. Get to the gym. By the time I get there I'm I'm ready. And then um a a lot of branch chain amino acids. I drink I drink yep. BCAAs the whole time I'm working out, and then I'll usually drink one after. Um, yeah. But I'm like you though; I, I really am a big fan of rice, um, and and I love chicken. My wife doesn't like chicken, but but I still eat like man, I'll still throw a real real good season like grilled pork chop on the on the old grill sometimes. And mm. and one of my favorite things is, and a lot of people, especially with deer with deer steak, you know, in the South thing is if you're going to eat deer meat man it's it's got to be covered up with flour milk and eggs and it's got to be thrown in a big pat of grease you know and that's how everybody eats it and it's got to be covered up with gravy you know (laughs) it's got to be covered up with gravy just cut it into nugget size for me so so yeah nugget size would be perfect for will so one of the things a few years ago in kansas i was hunting with a buddy of mine and he had just killed uh an elk his first elk in colorado So he and I was, were there at his place, and he said, man, tonight I'm going to grill some elk steaks. And so we, we marinate, he marinated them for two days, and then we, we wrapped them in bacon and threw them on the grill. And so I thought, and when I ate that, I thought, this is the best damn thing I've ever ate in my life. So I came home and tried it with a couple deer from here in Arkansas that had been living on saw briars and, and shit, you know, and they, it was still pretty good, but not quite as tasty but like my kansas deer and the deer i kill out west that just have a little better flavor um that's one of the things i do is i'll cut the tenderloins up in steaks basically or chops whatever they call them i marinate them for like two days uh and then i bacon wrap them and throw them on the grill just like a 
filet mignon or something. And dude, I'm going to tell you, that's, that's probably people, most, most of the people around here are like, man, I'm not eating no grilled deer meat, you know? And once they eat it one time, they're like, Hey man, when can we grill some more of that deer meat? That'll be awesome. But that is one of my absolute favorite meals right there. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Tim. You wrap anything in bacon, it tastes amazing. Damn right. Anything wrapped in bacon tastes a hell of a lot better. I promise you that. You wrap those chicken nuggets in bacon, it would sell a lot more of them. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Bacon. Million dollar idea. <laughs> Listen, McDonald's, I know you think these chicken nuggets are good, but I have a way to take these up to 10. <laughs> right, right on. Well, back to... Uh, so, Randy, something yeah, I got to know. You've had to have been on a ton of hunts. What is the most memorable one for you? Oh, man. Um, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two different hunts. Yeah. So, when I was 19, um, I got to go down to Africa as a cameraman slash hunter. So I was, I was mainly there to film, but I also got to hunt. So um, I think the big, why that was most memorable is, is that not only did I get to spend a lot of time with my dad and my brother in the blind and um, we just shot a lot of stuff and it was just so much fun, but that different like culture and just understanding like the different ways that people hunt. Cause like, what I've noticed is like, if you grow up in Idaho or you grow up in Washington, you hunt a certain way and that's the majority of what you know and you think that that is what hunting is. But the more you travel and the more you get to see the different cultures and the different ways that people hunt and um, what's important to them and, and yeah, just their different ideas of what hunting is, it kind of just broadens your horizon and kind of makes you understand um a lot more but anyway so i just got to see a lot of like uh, i got to go to zimbabwe um we hunted lions uh leopards i got to go on an elephant hunt uh a whole bunch of cool stuff and i saw like what true po poverty was um and i remember i actually we were driving in the truck through this village and uh I saw these little kids that like there was luckily there was a school there, but they were walking like four miles barefoot on this crappy road just to go to school because they wanted an education so badly. And in some of the other areas, like I had an empty pop can in my hand and there was a crowd of probably 40 little kids that were like begging me to give them the aluminum pop can because they thought it looked cool basically. And so I, handed it to them like just not understanding really what they were wanted and they all like envied that kid with the empty pop can like that's it just i don't know it just meant a lot to me and really changed my perspective on a lot of things so when you then hear people talking about uh it's bad to hunt trophy you know air quotes hunting in Africa or hunting lions or anything like that. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, are you specifically talking like high fence or, or any, I guess any hunting in Africa. Cause there's people out there who would love it. No hunting in Africa being done. 
Yeah. Uh, so obviously I completely disagree with that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think, I mean, to each his own, you know, um, I think as long as we're managing and, and doing the things we need to do to preserve hunting, you know, like, and really promote it and grow it in the right way. Like that's in Africa, especially that's one of the number one ways that their economy works is through all the hunting that happens over there. That's like the majority of why the animals are there. So yeah. Yeah. With, without hunting, there's really no industry over there. So, I mean, there's really, I mean, how many people <laughs> I've talked to some buddies, I've never been over there, but I've talked to some buddies that have been, and they're like, you know, we've got trackers that are employed. We've got, um, guides that are employed over there. And then you've got, um, entire villages that, that basically end up, you know, getting the meat. And, and they said, it's like a giant celebration when you come in with an animal because they're, they're so excited about getting the meat, you know, um, that's going to feed several people in that village. Is that, is that kind of what you saw when you were over there? Yeah, actually, uh, when my dad took his elephant, one of the things that I saw that was just unbelievable was like, the whole village was like begging us to kill an elephant. Right. Uh, and I know that's like, kind of like a controversial issue. Like or some, a lot of people don't agree with killing elephants, but the truth is, is that elephants like will completely ruin a forest because they just go up and they'll knock over the biggest tree. Like it's unbelievable with their head and they'll just like pick up one leaf and walk away. And so, uh, <laughs> no, seriously though they do. And like, I saw, uh, we were going through the village and one of these, these guys, the entire way that he made a living was he owned this little crop of just bananas in his backyard. Uh-huh. And an elephant came in the middle of the night, wiped everything out. And uh, he was literally like crying that he lost basically financially everything he had. Jeez. And yeah, so it was like, it was a big deal. And when we did finally take an elephant, like the entire village came and they would cut as much meat as they possibly could and i mean there's these women that would probably beat up all three of us at the same time and no seriously though they'd pick up like a hundred pounds of meat and put it on their back or their head and they'd walk like four miles back to their hut and i was just blown away like and that's what i kind of mean like how it just changed my perspective of like what hunting was kind of because i i grew up a certain way and saw certain you know few things and kind of that perceived that's what hunting was until i had traveled a little bit with my dad i think i think that's uh that's interesting right there what you're talking about is the same thing here where i live in, in in arkansas i mean the people around here I didn't grow up hunting. I mean, I didn't start hunting till really late in life. I just didn't have time. And then when I did, I went on a, a gun hunt. That was my first hunt. Wasn't super impressed with it. It just didn't turn me on. So I, for, I didn't even hunt for a while. And then I found a bow and I was like, holy crap, this is this is the deal right here. And uh, and I just got intrigued with the, the chess match of it. But, you know, I think the the that's the same thing here is that trying to re-educate you know people to be more stewards of the animals and stewards of the land 
I think is, is one of the toughest tasks that we have because, you know, especially in the South and probably the same around where Will lives, uh, it's, it's really a good old boy, you know, um, uh, event, you know, everybody, it's like, uh, you know, one of the things that I hate to hear around, around here, and they say it every year, boy, did you get your buck this year? You know, and they don't really care. They just, as long as you kill the buck, you know, they don't really care. You know, it has nothing to do with managing animals or whatever. It's got to do, we've got, you go yep. sit over a field and there's 150 does in there, but they're more interested in killing a two-year-old eight point than yep. for me, than, than killing, you know, some does that, that need to be managed. And I think it's, that's one of the hardest things, I think, and that's something like you experienced there. You saw a different way of hunting, and I think the more of that we can show through TV shows, through the videos, you know, on on YouTube or wherever you're you're posting your stuff. I think, um, to me, that's one of the most important things we can do as as hunters now is show. Listen, this is a at one time all this stuff got killed off, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, through market hunting or whatever, and it's been brought back to these huge populations of deer and it's up to us to manage it and be stewards of it. Just like we are the land, you know, the public lands that are, you know, at, at stake now. So I think that's a good experience that you had there. Change your perspective, huh? Yeah, absolutely. So second, second hunt. What would that oh, one have been? So that was actually last year. Um, so since I was a young boy, my dad's like, goal was that my brother Jeff and I and my dad would all go to Kodiak Alaska on a Sitka blacktail hunt so we finally did it and last year was a blast we brought my grandpa um, and a lot of our close friends and we in five days we killed 28 bucks holy crap and it was it was uh rifles my dad killed one with a, a bow but uh it was it was the south side of the island and it was we took a boat down and he would every morning we take a skiff and he'd drop off a group and somehow i don't know how this happened but i uh kept, i kept getting called to come pull everybody's deer to the shores <laughs> They'd be like, hey randy come help us so i was one of the few that didn't shoot all three of my bucks because i was busy helping pack but it was a lot of fun like my grandpa he uh he has some bad hips and so we gimped him along and got him back there and he shot a buck at just over 500 yards i believe and then so it's the craziest thing we get my grandpa and we find this good buck we get him up on it and he dumps this buck and so we're all high-fiving and uh celebrating to the camera and I look up on the hill and I see another buck and then my brother notices. So he gets down and he, he glasses and my, my dad's like, what? So he picks up his binoculars, checks, and he's like, somebody kill that buck right now. So it was a big stag buck uh, and it scored like 123 or something. But my brother shot that buck within 300 yards of where my grandpa did. So it's just a cool ordeal. Like we took pictures together and it's just a big memory, like, I guess, for, because we, ha we haven't been in Tampa for, like, a lot of years. Some of the very first hunts, um, so my dad grew up hunting in Tillamook, Oregon, for Roosevelt bulls, and uh, 
so those were some of my first hunting experiences when I was a young man. So um, we we did that as a tradition for the first, I don't know, four or five years of me hunting. And then it kind of, life got busy and stuff. And, and so it was just good to be able to hunt with my grandpa again. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cause the, that's, that's cool. My granddad, my granddad was a big hunter and he lived to hunt and he spent so much time in the woods. And when I was younger, all I cared about doing was going to rodeos. And then we moved to Texas and that's where I grew up. So, uh, my dad doesn't hunt. He was rodeoing too. So I didn't, I never got to hunt with my granddad. And that was one of the things I kind of wish, you know, I, one of his bucks, <laughs> There's a six point hanging on the wall right here beside me that yeah. the only deer he ever had sent to the taxidermist and it's a big wide six point. I don't even know what year he killed it, but it hangs on the wall here and it was one of my granddad's bucks and he, he's ugly and, and kind of puny, but just the fact that it was his, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. excited to have it. And I, I'm glad you got to have that experience because not, I didn't get to, my wife got to, got to hunt with her granddad quite a bit. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I actually got to hunt with him some too. And he was a super comical character. Um, one of the, one of the things I remember about him was he, uh, he was going to, he always shot a, uh, 30 out six and he gave it to my, my wife when he quit hunting, but he was, he was, uh, no, he always shot a 30, 30 and he was going to shoot a 30 out six. So he was going to shoot this 30 out six and he hadn't shot it in years. And I know Jack about guns, man. You can, you can ask me uh, uh, anything you want to ask me just about, about bows, arrows, whatever. But when you start talking about guns, man, I just know you point it that way and it goes boom. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he was going to shoot this 30 out six and he had it propped up on the, on the hood of this truck. And he was shooting at a pie plate in a mound at our deer camp. Yeah. And he shot that thing and it knocked his hat sideways and his glasses fell off. And we were all wanting to laugh, but I had to walk away because I just didn't want to be disrespectful of <laughs> my wife's granddad, you know. It, it was it was just super funny. Just that I got to have that experience with him, so that was cool. But that's awesome. Yep. Yep. But I'm the only bow hunter in the crew, so I'm I get I catch a lot of shit. Like uh they uh they don't they're not really super into the bow but um hey I not everybody can be right that's exactly right you know <laughs> exactly. i i got a chance to meet your dad this year at ata i i was one of the the host at the badlands film festival so i was on stage as a host and um i got done and we started the film festival and i was actually going to walk around there and try to get a free beer before they ran out <laughs> and i had to go back up on stage and yeah. I walk around there and I see your dad standing there by himself. And of all the years we've been doing the film festival, uh, that was the first time I'd seen him there. And this year I was seeing more and more people, you know, that were, that were coming and were interested in what we were doing with the Badlands film festival. And I just walked up and introduced myself to him. And, and, uh, he told me how impressed he was with the film festival and everything. And, and, and said that he was, he was considering either putting one on or putting <coughs> films so um what what do you guys think about that are you guys fixing to delve into that realm some you think um there's a good chance yeah i know we're we're putting a lot of uh good archery stuff together this year as far as like curriculum and things like of that nature so um 
that could we're probably going to tie a lot of that into and possibly start one yeah yeah that'd be that'd be cool i mean i think i think the um the film festivals and and just the the films in general have mm-hmm. taken on such a such a, a a big part of expressing who all of us are as hunters because i think you can do it so much better in a short film say that's 10 or 11 minutes long with no commercials and you can actually tell the story yeah just like you're talking about to where when you're when you're producing for television you've got uh you've got so much stuff you've got to do for sponsors you've got so much stuff you've got to do for for the cuts for the commercials and you're talking about basically 22 minutes of production and you've got to fit everything you've got to fit into that including all your sponsor stuff and I think the short films are definitely a, a good, and I, I hope I hope you guys get into it because I'm a super big fan of it. I watch probably more of that than I do anything is short films. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because touching back on the thing about millennials being a big impact on the industry, I think with these short films and film festivals, uh, there's going to be a lot of people you know, even even skewing a little older to an age range who are going to be on the cusp, who aren't against hunting, who might be thinking about it, who had a grandfather or a dad who did it, but for some reason they either started it and gave it up or never really picked it up, but they could see something like that and it'll reach out to them or touch them and spark mm-hmm. something within them to decide, you know what, I think yep. I'm going to try hunting. Yeah. Yeah, I think to me the, the short films you can show a little more of an adventure you know what I mean? Um, to to me, I think you can show a little more because I've been on both sides. I mean, I've I've been a field producer for some TV shows, and and I've had certain shows that that they've told me, you know, you you film the intro when you get there where you are, you film uh, a few minutes of calling or or whatever's going on right before the kill. You film the kill. You film the grip and grin. And then you shoot five or six cutaways for products and then you're done. They don't want to know the rest of the story. And then I've had some that wanted just the story, whether you killed anything or not. And those were the type the ones I wanted to do the most was because I felt like I could have a lot more fun with it as a field producer, telling more of a story. And I just think that that's a more interesting side of hunting to me personally. Um, I like to see that adventure and if you can show people you know in the world that like you're talking about will that are maybe on that fence and they look and they go well crap you know i, I hike every day um i love to hike or i love to camp maybe i'd like this you know um and and that's where i think the short film stuff and the film festival stuff is 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 gonna be super effective as far as progressing our industry especially with millennials and i am super excited that your dad was looking at it and taking a look to go because that shows that he's progressive. And so many, so many people aren't in our industry there. They they don't want to go that direction. They want to just keep, keep doing what they're doing and not worry about the other stuff. And, and two, I can understand that there's a lot goes on there, you know, with sponsors and, you know, trying to keep up with the day-to-day grind too. So I can understand that too. Yeah. He's definitely a busy man. That's for sure. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to what we're, we've got going this next year. I I think things are gonna really blow up. Well, that's good. I'm excited to see it, and I was super excited to meet him. And it was it was a um, 
like I've been around, you know, ATA and stuff and in different events where he's been, but I've never had an opportunity to meet him uh, just because I'm not one of those guys that goes up and introduces myself to people because they're busy and they're in the middle of something and you're, you're, you know, you've talked to 600 people that day. And so, uh, uh, just when I saw him just making a round around there to go find a place to sit down, I was like, uh, I'm going to just go introduce myself and, 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 and just make a point to make sure I let him know I was glad he was there. And I was super glad he was there because his show was one of the first shows I really ever watched, you know, and I can remember one of the images I have is of him shooting that blowing up target off of that, uh, uh, <laughs> <which> was, <Mal. laughs> was that a baseball game? It was yeah. at a baseball game. Yeah. Where was that? Um, uh, which one are you talking about where he shoots I, the, the baseball off a of bat? No, he shot something that exploded. And he was standing at home plate or on the pitcher's mound or something. He shot something and it. I don't remember. I, he's he's done a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> the, the craziest one actually, and I don't I don't know if uh, you guys have seen it, but him and Ray Bunny. You guys probably know who Ray Bunny is, right? Yeah, they set up um, some some tannerite inside of a car. This is not recommended, by the way. Right. <laughs> Hey, buddy. <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer here. <laughs> 20 pounds of tannerite and 20 gallons of gas with flares inside of a car. And we're, they're standing about 120 <coughs> yards. Two 338 Lapuas at, aimed at two targets. And they shoot this thing simultaneously. And it is the biggest explosion I've ever seen. Like, the car like blew in half. The door <laughs> comes off flying at Ray. It almost hit Ray and then it bounced. And I'm probably 200 yards from the car. It bounced off the ground, like the entire door <laughs> coming at me, almost hit me. It was the most dangerous thing, but it was crazy. So, <laughs> so what, what, uh, what do you guys have in store for this year? What's some cool hunts you, you, you're going on this year, maybe for a first or, or, or even just something you're looking forward to as far as uh, archery or gun or, or whatever? Pretty much every year um, I do an over-the-counter Idaho elk hunt. That's mm -hmm. like my one of my favorite hunts that I go on every year, usually with my brother. And then um, my best friend, his name is Sean Wheeler, who's actually, I think he's going to be my partner for uh, the train to hunt event oh nice and, uh, so yeah that is gonna be probably the number one hunt that i'm looking forward to this year but we we've put in for a couple different draw units this year and um oh i do want to touch on one thing that's kind of funny so last year my brother got drawn uh in utah for a mountain goat cool. and yeah and so um it was just him and his wife Carly and me and we hired these guys to um to horseback us in and we were like I think we were 16 miles in to where our base camp was and then we were actually on this little glacier lake and we'd walk back in you know four probably four miles and we would hunt these goats that were at the very top so the very first day um uh, my brother gets up there and my dad was kind of he was just 
kind of talking smack to Jeff a little bit and goes, hey, dude, you're not going to get it done with a bow. You might as well <laughs> bring it. So that just lights a fire on, under our butts, right? <laughs> like, Dad just said we can't do this. All right. So um, I was pretty much just a cameraman and a pack mule for my brother. And uh, he gets up there, and we find, like, a pretty nice goat. And I was super impressed with Jeff, but he navigates on these – it's icy – rocks that are super brittle and i mean these are like legitimate cliffs like scary scary stuff and jeff is just sneaking um up on this like little rim and uh he gets he cuts off the goats and he knows they're gonna walk out on this path so his nanny's in front it walks out and then the billy walks out and stands broadside and looks at jeff at like 55 yards and jeff's like you're done so he draws back and he holds his pin on it and he shoots like three feet to the left. And we're like, what just happened? So he, um, he thinks maybe I didn't bubble level or something's off, but he tries to shoot again. The Billy doesn't even know what's going on because they're so high on the mountain. He's got no real predators. So right. he just kind of stood there, let him shoot a second time. And Jeff hit the exact same spot. And so he knew his bow was screwed up. So Jeff just let him walk after that because he just was – he was a little bit frustrated and whatnot. So he comes down off the mountain just totally distraught because that was, like, the perfect opportunity. And, uh, like, a few days later, we got on a bigger goat with a gun. And we didn't want to tinker with the bow while we were up there because I think his rest or something got bumped. But we just – let it be after that but it was a really really fun hunt and he uh so he shoots this goat at like 610 off the top of this rock and it rolls and it falls <laughs> like probably 300 feet onto its back right Oof. and he just pumped this thing in the lungs with a 7 stw so this goat I, they are the toughest thing i think i've ever seen in my life with a broken back the goat stands back up and starts walking after it's been shot in the spot and has a broken back. I don't know how I was walking with a broken back, but it was. So it's like kind of stumbling and it gets on this like edge where it's teetering and it's just about to fall off the cliff. But I kind of want it to fall off the cliff because I don't want to walk up there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and until I'm like, Jeff and so the goat lays down and just dies right there. So we went back to camp and got all of the horse ropes we had. And Jeff and I walk up there and we are legitimately on a cliff and we tied all the horse ropes together. I tied it around his stomach and I lowered him down the cliff while I'm holding onto the rope so that he could get to the goat. Like we were contemplating getting a helicopter because it was like it was super sketchy. Jeez, that's so that was maybe yeah, that was the stupidest thing we've ever done, probably. Well, that's pretty damn exciting right there. I've never gone on a goat hunt, or I mean, I've been primarily a a whitetail dude, and I've made a couple of trips out west, you know, for elk, or and I love to go out west and turkey hunt, but. Yeah, definitely a, a goat hunt or something like that's on my list, but I'm not sure if I'm tough enough to do that right there. I'd have to t 
toughen up a little more. <laughs> Get over my fear of falling off the cliff first. <laughs> well, I was scared. Trust me. It's not the fall. It's the landing. Yeah. yeah, the landing's what gets you every time. That that's that's kind of funny. You're talking about that with the bow because I had a I had an experience like that this year, except it wasn't on a something that I had to draw for. It was my first morning in Kansas, and I'd been in Nebraska filming for a week and. I only had four days to film in Kansas before I had to leave and go film for somebody else. So I was going to hunt four days on our, we've got a lease there first morning in the stand and his giant seven point. I mean, he was just a big mature seven point, but he was really tall and wide, thick horn. I grunt him in off the neighbor's property. He walks in 15 yards and I draw back everything on camera. It's perfect. Self filming shoot right under him at 15 yards and i'm like what in the hell just happened and he runs out about 30 and i knock another arrow and i draw and i'm fixing to shoot him again and shoot at him again and he takes off and i don't get a shot i go back and shoot my bow at, at the camp and i shot 11 inches low and almost off the target to the right Ooh. and so somewhere between nebraska and kansas my side or my my rest or something got knocked off but i anyway i just i just readjusted my side i didn't mess with my rest i if i start messing with my rest it's a total nightmare at that point so right. <laughs> i'd just rather i just rather readjust my sight to where i know i'm good at 30 and i'll be good for whitetail but <laughs> that's a frustrating feeling i can't even imagine having that on a something that you've had to draw for like a like a goat and that was in utah yeah so yeah. i mean that's tears for sure that, yeah. it was a big deal but it's the way it goes i asked him if he wanted to check his bow and he's like no it should be good and the reason yeah. why we didn't mess with it too because he we had <coughs> five arrows so and we didn't have a target with us so we didn't want to even mess with it after he had missed so right right yep i got you yeah That's that's a and that and that is one of the craziest things is is what what really got me was after that trip from Nebraska was, uh, crypto light. Have you guys seen that target glows in the dark? No. Uh. Uh-uh. So, so I pull into camp, and it's dark. And nine times out of ten, when I pull in from somewhere else, I'm going to get my bow out and just fling a few, you know, at twenty, just to make sure everything's on. And it was dark. And Cryptolite, I've had this Cryptolite target in there that glows in the dark, and we've been shooting it at night. We had a wall tent set up in Nebraska. We were hunting whitetail on public land out of this wall tent. So at night, we were all shooting shooting right there behind the camp with this glow-in-the-dark target. And, um, I mean, it can be pitch black, and so long as you can see your pin, that thing glows like a headlight. And yeah. um, So I had that right there, and I almost got it out and shot it, but I was just – too lazy to do it and then the next morning i missed that giant which i ended up killing one the next afternoon but still i was like i can't believe i didn't at it least get started. yeah and just fling a couple arrows so for the rest of the week in in kansas and, and even now it's like for the whole rest of the fall i was constantly shooting my bow like everybody's like man you sure do shoot a lot and i'm like yeah i'm like paranoid as hell now i'm shooting i'm shooting at least two or three arrows every day <laughs> yeah yep well, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all the time we have for tonight. Randy, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Where can people go, check out your stuff, and follow you, all the social medias and all that stuff? Yeah, so I have a Instagram page. It's just uh, Randy Burnworth Official. And then 
I've got uh, Facebook as well. So that's probably the best way to find me. And Tim, I can't thank you enough for coming to be in my special co, my special guest co-host tonight. Where can they check out your stuff? Uh, you can find us living the brand on Instagram, and you can find us on Badlands YouTube channel uh, signature series, Living the Brand. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget stop on over at our fine partners. Uh, I think the website's now mountainops.com and use the code NBH20 at checkout to get yourself 20% off. You can also go to mavenoptics.com, use the code, coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout and get yourself some free Maven swag with your order. Also, if you're competing in a train to hunt, alpha bow hunting competition, or any other archery athletic competition, the new program I have written is up, and it is active, and people are kicking ass on it over at Train Heroic. Just search Team Omega Wolf. It's 25 bucks a month. We cover archery, running, strength, metabolic conditioning. Everything's there. There's a private Facebook page to post videos and get some feedback on your shooting or your lifts, whatever you have going on. Uh, for the Natural Born Hunter podcast, wake up, chase your dreams repeat.